Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we, um, Lord, we appreciate you this morning. We appreciate Easter and this good news that we get to remember year after year. And my prayer this morning, Lord, for each of us is that this wouldn't be about something that happened just 2,000 years ago. It would be about something happens today in our hearts and in our minds and in our community. Pray that our hearts this morning, Lord, would experience the joy and the power of the resurrection. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. What a joy it is to be here this morning. Uh, actually here, right? Um, for, for some of you, I don't, you haven't been able to come to worship yet until today. For some of you, you're still waiting, and that's okay. But it is a joy to at least have this as an option, right? And uh, I can tell you that last Easter was a bummer. There's not a better word to describe it than bummer for a pastor on Easter, right? So a few of us were down in the chapel, and we had a few lilies because we had already ordered all the lilies. They just, they came anyway, right? And a couple of microphones and had this lame audience right here to preach to and sing to. Um, and I've made the joke before, but I'll make it again. My phone still has not converted to Christianity after months of preaching the gospel to it. I don't know what that means. Maybe it's because it's an Apple product. Who knows? But it was a bummer, and it wasn't our ideal situation for Easter. We didn't get to experience this life together. Part of Easter, for me, has always been the community that you get to celebrate it with. Grew up in a big church in Cedar Falls that had uh, three services, and it had overflow rooms. There was an overflow room for the people that came late, and an overflow room for people that didn't, their allergies didn't deal well with the, the lilies and closed-circuit TV, and, and so there were these things every morning growing up. My mom was in the choir, so we always got there early. There were donuts for Easter breakfast, like hundreds, over a thousand donuts. If you know how much I like donuts, you know that that was important for me. And it always carried this, it's a big deal sense, right? It's a big deal to celebrate Easter. And it is, right? The biggest. And how much more can we say that today with what our culture, what our country, what our world lives through today and has lived through in the past year? We are at a time in our culture where we need to experience the joy and the hope of the resurrection like we never have before. And it hasn't become less important over the years, and it hasn't become more important this year, but I think maybe we're aware of it a little bit more, or at least I hope we are. We need it to be more real, not just up here, but right down in the gut, right? From our head to our toes. And we need this togetherness of community that I'm so thankful for this morning. The resurrection is a big deal, friends. It always has been, and it always will be. So thank you for celebrating Easter today. I pray that our hearts are open to God's voice and his incredible presence through this gospel story. And it might be a story we've heard a hundred times, but it is a good story to keep hearing. So I'm going to preach through uh, the John version of the gospel account this morning of the resurrection and go piece by piece so we can dig a little bit deeper into what we see. So starting with verse 1, John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, 
Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, who was John, the author, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So here we have a pretty simple observation. Someone took Jesus' body, is what Mary thinks. And her proclamation here isn't one of joy. She isn't running to the disciples happy about this, right? This isn't yet the gospel. This is probably terrifying to her. This person, Jesus, whom she loved and followed with her life in many different ways, and whom these disciples gave years of their lives to and followed, are faced with this idea that there's no body. Who stole the body? Why? Now, tomb robberies weren't that uncommon in those days. But Mary has to be asking herself, how can I go and mourn here at the tomb when the tomb is empty? It's not what I was expecting. You know, Jesus had told them many times in different ways that he had to die, but that death wasn't the end. But in this moment, in this reality for Mary, it had not settled in. And she wasn't thinking, maybe he's alive. She was thinking, oh my, somebody has stolen my Lord. Picking up in verse 3, so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. So this here is interesting too. John gets there first, and he doesn't go inside. He just looks in, and he sees the strips of linen just like what Mary had said. But he doesn't barge right in. Uh, we don't know exactly why, but... Maybe if he thought if Mary was wrong, he didn't want to be in close proximity to a body. There were codes, there were laws about that in the Jewish faith. Or maybe it was out of reverence. He didn't want to defile or somehow disturb a tomb. So he didn't go in. He was more cautious. But Peter's the rock, right? Peter's the guy that does something first and thinks about it later. Peter barges right in the tomb, and he sees the same things. And here's the first clue that this isn't just a tomb robbery. This isn't just a normal body theft. Hopefully there's nothing normal about a body theft. But in this case here, this isn't what they would expect. Because the linen, the cloth that Jesus was wrapped in at the time of his burial is still there. Why would a burial cloth not be on the body? Why would somebody, if they were robbing this tomb, why would they take the time to remove the burial cloth, which was probably the only valuable thing in that tomb, why would they take the time to remove this burial cloth if they were just stealing a body? So that's an important clue. And then why would a tomb be sealed with a large stone? How could we find that to be empty just a couple days later? And wasn't the tomb guarded, the other Gospels tell us? Okay, so we have a mystery, don't we? 
they find a real mystery. And verse 9 tells us that they still don't understand about the resurrection. They still don't understand the whole picture yet. It hasn't clicked for them. Jesus died. His body is gone. They believe that he's not there, at least. They believe Mary's account. But I wonder if they had hope. I wonder if they had any hope yet at this point. Did they despair like Mary was despairing? I don't know. I think if any of us went to a place where we knew a loved one was buried and there was a hole in the ground instead, we would despair. It would deeply upset us. Maybe these disciples had a little hope. I hope they did. And maybe they remembered some of Jesus' words. But whatever the case is, they just go back to where they were staying. And John, the author of this, who was also one of the participants, doesn't give us much more, which leads me to think there probably wasn't much more. They, they went back to where they were staying. They resumed their life, their grief, without the reality of a risen Jesus. Let's continue. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. So right where Peter and John had just been taking a, an assessment of the situation here, Mary is moved to tears and she peers in and now there are angels there. And you know she didn't see them walk in, right? If Peter and John saw them, they kept it a secret. I don't think they saw them. But no, the angels reveal themselves to Mary. <clears throat> and they ask Mary, Woman, why are you crying? She says, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. So at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. So Mary, still believing that the body is gone, that there's been a theft, sees these angels. She doesn't yet believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And so Jesus is right there, but she doesn't know that it's Jesus. It hasn't clicked for her yet. Maybe there were tears in her eyes that were clouding her vision. We've all been there, right? Or maybe in the culture, she wasn't supposed to directly face up and look at the man, because the culture was very different than what we live in today. Or maybe it was a sign of respect to just not look him in the eye. I don't know. But the reality is here Jesus is right there, and it still hasn't clicked for her yet. He asks her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? As if he didn't know. Jesus asks a lot of questions like that. Thinking that he was the gardener, Mary said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Mary wants to put this right. She wants this nightmare to come to an end. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. This is my favorite part of the story. This is when the light bulb clicks on. Jesus calls her by name. The son of the living God, her savior, her Lord, calls her by name, and she knows his voice. And she listens to it. And she comes face to face with the power and the reality of the resurrection. Jesus said, don't hold on to me. Because she was probably trying to embrace him, right? 
Jesus says, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Instead, go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with this news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Before the message that Mary took was one of grief and terror. And in just a few moments, just a page or two of scripture, the message that she has has dramatically changed her life already. She becomes the torchbearer of the best news ever. Remember, this is a big deal. The resurrection is real, she gets to proclaim. Jesus is alive, and I've seen him, and I've heard him, and I have experienced his presence. I touched him, and he talked to me. She's the first proclaimer and carrier of the gospel, isn't she? You know, we've been studying Romans this year at Emmanuel, and a few weeks ago we had that passage from Romans 10 that you heard earlier. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And we talked about how believing in the resurrection is a big deal. It's important. It's the pinnacle. It's the backbone of Christianity. See, Jesus' disciples who entered that tomb, they saw that Jesus was gone, and it says that they believed But did they just believe the story of the woman? Did they believe that the tomb was simply empty like they had said and seen? Did they believe that someone had stolen the body? We don't know. Did they believe that Jesus rose again? It took a little time for that to sink in, didn't it? It took an encounter with Jesus. And whatever it is that they believed before Mary saw the angels and talked to Jesus, their lives didn't change in that instant. They went back to what they were saying, and it hadn't sunk in. But Mary sticks around in her grief, doesn't she? Mary spends some time at the tomb. And when the resurrected Lord speaks to her, even though she thought he was dead, when he speaks, she knows his voice. And her life is forever changed. Friends, how many times... Do we visit the empty tomb? Do we believe that the tomb is empty? But like Peter and John, we walk away and we go back to what we were doing. When the resurrection doesn't seem real to us, we tend to live our lives the same way that we did before we encountered the empty tomb. How many Easter Sundays has that been our reality? I know it has been for me. The fun, the excitement of a day goes into the next day and real life hits again. And it doesn't feel any different. Maybe we can't wrap our head around the thought that Jesus actually raised from the dead. So we don't think a lot about it or we don't get caught up on that. Maybe when we see the empty tomb, we remember the 100 things that we have to do back home or at work, so we carry on. And the reality doesn't sink in, maybe like it didn't for Peter and John. Or maybe the reality of the resurrection and the truth behind it is one we don't think we're worthy of. We convince ourselves that we're not ready for it. 
think all of us need to stick around at the tomb for a while. Because seeing the empty tomb isn't enough. There's more to the story, and there's more for you, and there's more for me. We need to stick around and hang out with Mary, even in our brokenness and even in our grief. And we hang out at the opening of that tomb, and we listen for Jesus' voice. We need to believe that he lives, not just that the tomb is empty, and that he's calling to us, and that this resurrection is not just something that Jesus did for himself or display God's power. That's part of it. This resurrection is for every single one of you, too. And the life that it brings to Jesus is the life that he invites us into through the blood of the cross and through his raising from the grave. And we are called by name, just like Mary. Just like Mary's life was changed and she became the proclaimer of the resurrection to the disciples, the resurrection should change our lives too, should change our priorities. And as each one of Jesus' disciples, as you read on in the Gospel and in the book of Acts, as each one of his disciples come to see the face of Jesus Christ and hear his voice and touch the wounds and put their hand in his side, as they grasp the beautiful and awe-striking power of God in the resurrection, they go on to live lives that are completely different and changed, even though they'd been learning at Jesus' feet for three years. They live lives that are devoted to God and to this gospel message, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to sustain them. And they want to share the good news. They actually want to go share the good news, right? Just like Mary did. It was the first thing she did when it became real. They want to share the good news that Jesus is alive, that God has conquered sin in the grave, and that there is hope. This is our call as the people of God. If you say, I'm a Christian, that is your call. This is what Jesus invites us into through the glory of the resurrection. So I ask you today, on Easter Sunday, do you believe it? Do you believe? Not just that the tomb was empty, but that your Lord and Savior lives, that Jesus lives, that Christ is risen. Do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave? Do you believe that Jesus calls you by name? That's maybe where some of us get hung up a little bit more. Why would Jesus want to call me? But he wants to. He wants to call you by name. And he desires to know you and to walk with you and to bless you and to empower you with his love. Do you believe that he loves you? He actually really loves you more than any human on this planet ever can? Do you believe that he loves you enough to die for you and then live with you? Because even death couldn't conquer his love. Do you believe? And I ask you this as well. Are you willing to take the time to hang out at the empty tomb and listen for the voice of Jesus? Are you willing to trust in him to lead you? When he says your name, are you willing to embrace him and carry the torch for the gospel and follow him with your life? 
Are you going to say yes to Jesus and allow his love and the power of the resurrection to transform you? It's a lifelong process and it's not always easy, but it is good and it is worth it. That's what we were made for. This is what Jesus is calling you to in this moment. Again, as we relive and remember the best day ever, the greatest day in history, Jesus wants us to hear his voice and to live differently. Friends, if any of this is resonating with you, um, if any of this is hitting you in a fresh way or a new way, um, I want you to know that there'll be a few of us up here after the service to, to pray if you want prayer about anything in your life. Um, we haven't been able to offer that for a long time due to COVID, but we're going to offer it this morning. Um, so if there's anything that God is stirring up in your heart, we'll be here um, to talk and pray. Or if you want to follow up this week sometime, you're welcome to do that as well. But don't leave here without spending a little time at the empty tomb and listening for the voice of Jesus because he's calling to us, friends. There's no sweeter sound. There's no better life that we can live on this earth than a life in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the resurrection. And Lord, we live often in grief and in brokenness. Our lives look more like Mary's life before she hears Jesus' voice. But Lord, we know that there's more. There is more. I pray, Lord, that this morning we can experience the love and the power of the resurrection in a new way. I pray, Lord, that if we believe it in our head, that that belief would sink to our hearts that our spirits, that our, our lives, everything about us would start on a trajectory of living a life that is for you. More and more each day, wherever we find ourselves today, Lord, would you draw us closer and remind us and freshen us, Lord. Freshen us and freshen your church and freshen this community with the life that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. And we thank you that today we can say the words, Christ is risen. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.